Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Now... Tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday, I will not be on the air behind this microphone. We will have wonderful guest hosts. We always do. I'll be back on the air Monday and Wednesday next week from Israel. Uh, And we always take off July 4th and July 5th. So over the course of the next two weeks, you'll hear me live twice after today. And then I'll be back in this seat in the great USA on July 8th. Mark, I can't follow all that. All right, this is my last day this week. I'll be on Monday and Wednesday next week. I'm going to have great guests. Great guests. Two years ago, I did a show from Israel, and you folks loved it. I think you'll love this one, too. And then uh, and then I'll be back on July 8th. Make sense? I think it does. Carl Cameron. Lots to cover today, as always. Carl Cameron was a correspondent for the Fox News Channel. I wasn't best friends with him. I didn't know him well, but from time to time, I would go to various small functions with conservatives several years ago. And uh, Carl tended to be at them. And he was a very nice guy. He was very conservative. As I recall, it was even during the uh, Clinton impeachment period and subsequent to that. And then all of a sudden, a year or two ago, he makes an exit from Fox News. Now, I don't know why he left Fox News, but he says it's because, you know, Fox is no longer a news station. I don't believe that for two seconds. I don't know why he really left, but I don't believe that at all. And so I watch this play out and I see how easy it is to manipulate the Democrat Party press. And they manipulate themselves. Well, that doesn't sound right, does it, Mr. Producer? They position themselves. Which is exactly what Carl Cameron's doing. He's trying to start a, uh, basically a left-wing website akin to the Drudge Report, but there'll never be another Drudge Report, left-wing, right-wing, whatever it is. It's one of a kind. And so uh, he he puts out this, this video, and honest to God, he's saying things on there that he would never have said in the various times I saw him hobnobbing with conservatives. He would go to events that where there were conservatives as a conservative. And now he says the following. Cut one, hat tip, newsbusters, go. 
I'm Carl Cameron, and some know me as Campaign Carl, the guy on Fox News who covered elections and presidential campaigns since, like, forever. What's a former Fox guy doing here on Front Page Live partnering with progressives? Well, it's about facts, not partisanship. I was one of Fox's first hires. The idea of fair and balanced news appealed to me. But over the years, right-wing hosts drowned out straight journalism with partisan misinformation. Now, let's just stop right there. This is the typical line that you hear on MSNBC and CNN from those who attack the Fox News Channel. This is the typical line you hear. And it's pretty damn outrageous because he's purposely playing to that crowd. And I predict he'll be very unsuccessful. Go ahead. I left. I have unique insight and understanding of how the right operates and literally 30 years of covering Donald Trump. You have no idea how I operate, and I'm a conservative. None. Whatsoever. And it bothers me a great deal that an individual like you would would earn a substantial salary and be given a platform at a place like the Fox News Channel. It's the only channel out there that counters what's going on in the media in this country. Well, that's not true. There's a handful of them. But the most successful. And then you would use these relationships over the years, people trusting you, people talking to you, to say, uh, you know from the inside how the operation works. I have no stomach for people like Carl Cameron. None. Go ahead. Trump's a con man. He did collude and coordinate with Russia to get elected. He encouraged them to intervene in the 2016 campaign. You see, desperate, 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 and buffoonish. Truly has jumped the shark, and it's a great white shark that he's jumped. Go ahead. We all saw it. And recently he said he'd accept their help again because he sees nothing wrong with it. We saw that too. And yes, he is still helping Russia by refusing to take strong actions to protect us from a future cyber attack. Oh, I see. That's why the Russians have a battleship in, uh, in Cuba in, in a dock near Havana right now. Right? That's why the Russians consider us public enemy number one. This is a new news site. This is just more propaganda from the left. I wonder who's funding it. Go ahead. This is a state of emergency. Our next elections and democracy. It's a state of emergency? We're in a state of emergency because Trump's president? Doesn't he sound like one of a million hacks in a conga line of hacks that appear on MSNBC and CNN or sit as hosts? So what exactly is new that Carl Cameron's offering? Nothing. Except he's a chameleon. A chameleon. And I'm telling you this. I saw him with my own two eyes. I heard him with my own two ears. Where he was, the things he used to say, and now this transformation is a fraud. It is a lie. Go ahead. Are at potential risk. My job, what I do, is inform. That's it. Make your own decisions. Let me ask you, folks, did it sound like for the first few minutes of this that he was informing you? Did it sound that way to you, Rich? It didn't sound like he was informing me. Did it you, folks? Go ahead. Please be accurately informed. Oh, okay. Now, the 320,000 of you, yeah, that's where we are right now, who have a copy of unfreedom of the press in one of its various forms I'd encourage you to look at chapter one chapter one lays out really what the media are in this country philosophically, ideologically in terms of party 
alignment and in terms of social activism. And one of the things you'll find, and I've read this on the air, but if you don't read the book, you don't have the full flavor and context for all this, is they study the first hundred days of the Trump presidency that was conducted by the Harvard Shorenstein School of Media and Journalism, uh, hardly a conservative or right of center organization, just an organization. And um, on May 18, 2017, they issued a comprehensive analysis of news coverage of the first 100 days of the Trump administration. Those of you who have the actual hardcover book, page 26 and 27. And I've pointed this out to you before, but I can't point it out enough, given what people like Carl Cameron say. It says, Trump's attacks on the press have been aimed at what he calls the mainstream media. Six of the seven U.S. outlets in our study... CBS, CNN, NBC, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post. Among those, he's attacked by name. All six portrayed Trump's first 100 days in highly unfavorable terms. CNN and NBC's coverage were the most unrelenting. Negative stories about Trump outpaced positive ones by 13 to 1 on the two networks. Trump's coverage on CBS exceeded the 90% negative mark. So that's three of them over 90%. Trump's coverage exceeded 80% level in the New York Times, 87% to be precise. Washington Post, 83% to be precise. Wall Street Journal, below that level, it's 70% negative, largely attributable to the journal's more frequent and more favorable economic coverage. Now, you heard what he said about Fox, right? So the Harvard Shorenstein uh, Center on Media, Politics, and Public Policy says, and I quote, Fox was the only outlet where Trump's overall coverage nearly crept into positive territory. 52% of Fox's reports were a clear tone, with a clear tone, were negative. 48% were positive. Fox's coverage was 34 percentage points less negative than the average for the other six networks. So the only one that was even relatively balanced was Fox. And they go on to say, Trump's coverage during his first 100 days was not merely negative in overall terms. It was unfavorable on every dimension. There was not a single major topic where Trump's coverage was more positive than negative. Not one. That's why Carl Cameron's going to fail. CNN is, rated, is failing. Its ratings are dead. Its ratings are dead. MSNBC is failing. Rachel Maddow was knocked out of the top lot by uh, Hannity. And it's been that way for months. For months. The New York Times had to be uh, bought out, in part, by a billionaire down south, south of the border. The uh, Washington Post was saved by Bezos, the richest man on the planet. And I can go on and on. So... Cameron is launching Cara Cameron not only with a lie, a fraudulent site, but he's doing exactly the wrong thing. There's another piece here by a left-wing site called Axios, A-X-I-O-S. And here they write, Trump slump hits big media. Just stick with me on this. Top news executives tell Axios that a real Trump slump is hitting digital, cable, and more. The shock factor around President Trump's unplanned announcements, staff departures, taunting tweets, and erratic behavior is wearing off. It's a news site. And media companies are scrambling to find their next big moneymaker. Now, this is damning. Aside from, again, their hate of Trump, which is par for the course here, 
They're telling you they need a big moneymaker now. That trashing Trump isn't working out like they hoped. People are getting bored with it. Driving the news. Executives tell Axios that Trump fatigue is very real. Interest in political coverage overall is down, which is spurring investments in other beats like technology and global economy. Democrats don't appear to be the lifeline media companies are hoping can fill the gap for diminished Trump interest. Do you hear that? This is a confession that many, if not most, of these media outlets, which are run by people who are aligned with the Democrat Party and the progressive movement, have been trying to appeal to Democrats, which is exactly what I've been saying. They've been trying to appeal to Democrats. But the Democrats are getting bored. Doesn't take much. Executives say they expect this week's debate ratings to be nothing like the ratings for the 2016 Trump debates. Well, I won't be watching. We'll get clips from them, but my God, can you imagine? It's like watching uh, 20-some uh, homeless people. Or a big meeting in the Politburo on Russia. Digital demand for Trump-related content, number of article views compared to number of articles written, has dropped 29% between the first six months of the Trump presidency and the most recent six months, according to data from traffic analytics company Parse Lee. Evidence that Trump's social media star power was also beginning to wear off surface last month when Axios reported that his tweets were receiving less than half the engagement that they got when he first took office. No, no, no. It's not that Trump's ratings are down at that, or that interest in Trump is down. This is exactly the transformation, the evolution that I told you would take place, but it's happening faster. That people are going to reject the current mass modern media and are going to look for other ways to inform themselves. They're going to reject most of cable TV, most of these programs, these hate Trump programs. They're going to reject most Internet sites that do exactly the same thing. They're going to reject more and more the New York Times and the Washington Post. When it is your business model to attack half the people in the country, to play to half the people in the country, even worse, to play to the base of the Democrat Party, And to have people like me, my voice, my book, pointing it out, and the American people on their own watching it and listening to it and reading it, you're destroying your own so-called profession. president isn't. The government isn't. You are. That's the whole point of unfreedom of the press. Traditional meeting settings. In March, New York Times COO Meredith Coppett Levine, whatever her name is, told Axios during a panel at SXSW that the paper's subscription, Trump Bump, ended in the mid-2018. In other words, their attacks on Trump are just not pulling the subscribers that they used to. In December, media research firm Moffitt Nathanson found that live news network ratings were down in the 10 to 20 percent range for the better part of 2018. Overall, The firm found that ratings around TV news coverage overall began to decline after the 2016 election. Yes, because you're out of the closet, social activist, progressive Democrats. And half the country's fed up with you. And the half that you thought would follow you, they're bored with you too. 
Cable TV networks, which still reach a majority of Americans with political news coverage, began pulling back on Trump campaign rallies late last year because they weren't driving ratings, according to Politico. Well, that's a lie. Whenever Fox has live coverage of Trump's rallies, their ratings go through the roof. What are you going to put, Don Lemon on there? That's when the ratings go through the floor. Very, very interesting things happening in this field, ladies and gentlemen, the field of media. The modern mass media is starting to crumble. Freedom of the press, more and more, is starting to reveal itself. I'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. So much we hear today, yesterday, tomorrow is contrived, is manufactured. It wasn't that many months ago when the Democrats in the media and the Democrats out of the media were telling us that what was going on on the border was manufactured, was a manufactured crisis. You don't hear that anymore. There was an effort today in the House of Representatives to increase the number of administrative law judges in the immigration area by just 100 and to have them down near the border to deal with these uh, cases of asylum. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats refused to bring it to a vote on the floor. A few months ago, when the Republicans sat down with the Democrats in the Senate, were trying to work out some kind of deal on immigration, you'll recall... The Democrats actually wanted to reduce the number of detention beds. You remember that, Mr. Producer? They wanted to reduce the number of beds. And the media told us, oh, these are just caravans. Mr. Pre- uh, Mr. President, why are you talking about an invasion? Why are you talking about an invasion? I want to address all of this after the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse, rejecting the idea of objective truth. They peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil 
and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. America's most powerful conservative voice. The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. Immigration. Remember the days when we had a manufactured crisis on the border, ladies and gentlemen? These are members of Congress and the media who've been around Washington, D.C. a very, very long time. They've had power over immigration. They've had power over the border. They've had power over detention centers. They've had power over the budget. For people coming into this country, complete power, complete control, and propaganda. I want to remind you, back in January, not that long ago, by my calculation, about six months ago, a montage of manufactured crisis, hat tip, Hannity, go. President Trump must stop holding the American people hostage, must stop manufacturing a crisis. This president just used the backdrop of the Oval Office to manufacture a crisis. Folks, the president has manufactured one heck of a political crisis for himself. Donald Trump is manufacturing a national security crisis. You will hear them say is that this is a manufactured crisis. It's not a national security crisis. The big scam of the whole address was that there's a crisis. There's not a crisis. The notion that we have a crisis there, a security crisis, is absolute nonsense. It remains a Seinfeld shutdown. Seinfeld all presidency. About, uh, all about nothing. What happens when there is a real crisis, when there is a real emergency? Does he take to the airwaves? Do we give him the airwaves? Do we believe him? There is not a crisis at the border. It's a manufactured crisis for the president to get a political win. He's determined to convince you there is a crisis at the border, even though an intelligence official tells CNN, quote, no one is saying this is a crisis except them. And there's a lot more, actually. So the president was on top of this. The president was warning the country. The president was trying to act within the law, but unilaterally to do something about it, since he was being obstructed by the Democrats and the media. And since the Republicans were a little damn good about it, when they were in control of both houses of Congress, even before this president was president. So little Dick Durbin of Illinois, little Dick as we affectionately call him, he's on the morning schmo show. Another, uh, may I say, little... Uh, anyway, uh, let's listen to how their propaganda has changed. Cut three, go. Harry Truman was right. The buck stops here when it comes to the president. It's his decision. Look at his record, Willie. First, he started us with a Muslim travel ban. Then he uh, eliminated the DACA program, protecting 790,000 people. Then he said no protection for those under temporary protected status. Then they took 2,880... Listen to this idiot go on and on and on about matters that have no relevance to the issue that's going on on the border today. 
Nothing. Nothing. And I've got no problem with anything the president did in that litany that you heard from Little Dick of Illinois, Durbin. What he doesn't say is the president of the United States has sought repeatedly additional funding for detention centers. He sought additional funding for more personnel on the border. He has sought additional funding uh, for uh, security, uh, physical barriers on the southern border. He doesn't get into that, that he has invoked the National Emergencies Act of 1976 because Congress wouldn't act. He's moved funds around lawfully. Uh, into accounts in order to try and deal with the uh, security at the border. Uh, The president has told the American people over and over and over again, including at the State of the Union speech, what was going on in the border. But it's difficult when you have a media like Jim Acosta and CNN and the others who are over 90% negative when it comes to this president, through which he has to filter his message often when he's not on Twitter, uh, when you have them lying about him, lying day in and day out in order to advance the Praetorian Guard, big government, Democrat, progressive agenda. And so Dick Durbin goes on and on. So now it's the president's fault that certain things weren't done on the border when it's the president who's been banging the pots and pans. It even gets worth Hakeem Jeffries, this idiot, he's all over TV. So he holds a press conference today, and of course the media show up. It's very important that we hear what Hakeem Jeffries has to say. Let's go to skip the cut five, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. The president should be ashamed of himself for using children as political pawns. How is the president using children as political pawns? He's been talking about this forever. He's been trying to do something about this. How is the president using children as pawns? At least he believes in children. He's not part of a party that believes in infanticide. And notice, Hakeem Jeffries doesn't get all worked up about infanticide or late, 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 late late-term abortions. What the hell has Hakeem Jeffries done about the situation on the border? He's been in Congress long enough. Where are all his bills? Where's all his support for children, illegal alien children? What the hell does he propose? In fact, what the hell do any of them propose? It's the open borders advocates whether they admit it or not, effectively, that's their inaction. That's what it results in, who are causing these situations. But they're good little left-wing propagandists. How they turn this on the President of the United States, just like Chuck Todd, that clown. Just like Jake Tapper, that clown. Real reporters, don't you know? Go ahead. Has to end this week. So today, the House of Representatives will pass a humanitarian aid package in excess of $4.5 billion. We what took do- so long? Where have you been? I thought it was a manufactured crisis. Did they not say it's a manufactured crisis? Hello. Hello. Go ahead. With a strong Democratic vote. But we are urging our colleagues on the other side of the aisle to show some decency. Uh, get out of here, you clown. You're the perpetrators. You're the perpetrators. That's why there's victims. You're the perpetrators on the left. Then we have Rosie O'Donnell. Absolute nut. 
absolute nut picking up on this concentration camps uh, crap on this Andy Cohen show. And he used to be with NBC. I don't know if he still is or not. Cut six, go. Rosie, you're going to be doing a vigil called Lights for Liberty, July 12th, demanding an end to the detention camp. So let's, yeah. let's just, let's, there's two things you do with people who come here illegally or who claim asylum status. You release them or you detain them to try and figure out who they are and their legal status and so forth and so on. So if you don't support detaining them, you support nothing. That people should walk freely into the country and off they go. Off they go, whether it's up to Boston or Philadelphia or New York, Washington, Richmond, whether they go to Chicago, Illinois, whether they go to Los Angeles or Sacramento or San Francisco or San Diego. Maybe they'll head over to Houston, Dallas, Waco. Who knows? They're just free to come in. So what they're arguing for, listen to this, it's important. No detention. That you are not to detain people who are coming in here illegally. You're not to ask them who they are. You're not to ask them if they're actually the parents of these children. I want you to think about what they're arguing for. No detention centers means no detention. Where are you going to put them? All in Beverly Hills? In Palm Springs? In the Hamptons? So now they're against ICE which is the federal government's interior enforcement mechanism on immigration, eliminate ICE, they say, and eliminate detention, they say. This is the insanity of the radical left. They are anti-American. They are inhumane. They are anti-citizen. Well, what would you call it? Let me be abundantly clear so even low IQ Joe Scarborough can understand what I'm saying. So even low IQ Chris Cuomo, the dumbest of the family, can understand what I'm saying. So even smirky, snarky, stupid, uh, well, anyway, so fill in the blank. If there aren't detention centers, then you can't detain these people. If Congress doesn't fund these centers then there aren't diapers and toothpaste. Do you understand that, Chuck Todd, you clown? While you were rude to the President of the United States? Do you understand that, Jake Tapper, you moron? While you were rude to the Vice President of the United States? What do you mean? We're the richest country in the world. We don't have toothpaste. doesn't matter for the richest country in the world if Congress doesn't appropriate funds. These guys know this. They know it. Go ahead. Concentration camps, even though there's a lot of controversy about the word, but actually legitimate scholars who have studied genocide say, yes, these are, in fact, the criteria for concentration camps. Legitimate scholars who have studied genocide. Yes, these detention centers, ladies and gentlemen, they qualify as concentration camps, even though people are there temporarily, even though people are pouring into them voluntarily, even though... Little kids do, in fact, get toothpaste and have their diapers changed or getting formula. Even though they get three square meals a day, even though they receive medical treatment, and then they're released into the interior of the United States, it's just like the Third Reich in concentration camps. Don't you know it? Because this slob, Rosie O'Donnell, said so. Go ahead. 
them. There are over 100,000 camps in nearly every state. There's whoa, whoa, between- whoa, whoa, whoa. There's 100,000 camps in nearly every state, Mr. Producer? There's 100,000 camps in nearly every state? This is sick. Good job, Andy Cohen, NBC. Really good. Then we have Governor Jay Inslee. SLO state. I could do this all day. I don't want to, but the conga line of insane morons on the left is just unbelievable. This guy wants to be president. He's barely governor of Washington state. He's obsessed with climate change. Man-made climate change. Man, flying all over the country, talking about man-made climate change. Probably uh, heavy duty on the flatulence. Go ahead. What happens if you win? What, what, what will well, you do then? Once all, right, all right, first of all, he's not going to win. Everybody knows he's a moron. But go ahead. What, there's, there will continue to be a, an issue on the southern border. What will you do about it? We will uh, follow the law, which is to allow people to have asylum requests. We will provide you... Stop. The stupidity is beyond belief. There's a governor who wants to be president. We will follow the law and allow people to have asylum requests. So if somebody comes in with an asylum request, they come in here illegally, they don't have any place to stay, they don't have any money, let's say they come with two or three kids and a spouse, what do you do with them, Governor? They let them go, ladies and gentlemen. They let them go into your communities for your local government to handle for your local town and council and mayor to handle, for your local law enforcement to handle, your local hospitals and and community doctors to handle, your local uh, schools to handle. The federal government wants complete control over immigration, and in doing so, it dumps all the responsibilities and the vast majority of the costs on local communities. These people have no idea if we're letting criminals in here. These people have no ideas and let you separate the children from the adults in order to question them in the first place. What's going on with these adults and these children? They have no idea, none whatsoever. And they make these arguments. And they're, they're said to be compassionate, that they care for little kids, that you're not getting toothpaste to children. What if they're being molested, Jake Tapper? How do we find out? What if they've been kidnapped, Chuck Todd? How do we find out? We'll get to the toothpaste in a minute. Can we find out who they are and who's supposed to be with whom? And if you don't put them in a detention center, where the hell do you put them? In Georgetown? Washington, D.C.? I have an idea. Let's put them at CNN and MSNBC. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, 
each only 30 minutes long. You'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I would ask Rosie O'Dummy and all the other dummies out there who keep throwing around the words concentration camp. Tell me, how many people ever broke into a concentration camp, Mr. Producer? Anybody, anybody break into the Third Reich in order to go to a concentration camp? Can you think of any? I can't think of any. Because it never happened. And you have people breaking into our country who know that they have to go to detention centers. As a matter of law, this is how they're processed. And the president didn't create this law. Congress created this law long before he was president of the United States. He's trying to do something about this. But what he's come to learn is that the Democrats don't want to do anything about this. And something shocking happened at CNN today. Something absolutely shocking. Finally, a truthful report by John King. I I couldn't believe it. So shocking. Just for this, he ought to get a, I don't know what the journalism prize is. Maybe it's a booby prize. John King on CNN today, absolutely stunning. A piece of journalism in a field of propaganda. Cut eight, go. And and so I just want to remind people that under President Trump, the Democrats don't like anything he says about immigration. He's had problems with his own party on immigration. But this particular issue is not new. I just want to go back. This is an interview going back to 2014 with the then Democratic president of the United States. There are some Democrats who come to the table and say Trump created this crisis. This is all about Trump. Uh, It may be escalated under Trump. The numbers are certainly higher under Trump. But this has been a problem the United States government has had to figure out a solution to for a very long time. The problem is, is that under current law, once those kids come across the border, there's a system in which we're supposed to process them, take care of them, until we can send them back. So is, is your so message don't come? Oh, our message absolutely is don't send your children unaccompanied uh, on trains or through, uh, through a bunch of smugglers. That is our direct message to the families in Central America. Do not send your children to the borders. If they do make it, they'll get sent back. That is five years ago this week. That's five years ago this very week, in the sense that, again, uh, you know, there are, there's a current divide. The current president evokes emotions among Democrats. A lot of progressives weren't happy with that president, President Obama. They called him the deporter-in-chief. Uh, but this, has been, this issue has been unresolved, different pieces of it, for 20-plus years. Wow. I mean, that's shocking. Let's take a photo of that transcript of John King. Good one, John. Let's see if he can keep it up. See if we can get a pattern of objective truth-telling. That would really be cool. Uh, But uh, hope springs eternal. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, all the other crap you heard on CNN and MSNBC by the Democrats, by the other media figures, all propaganda, all so thoroughly dishonest. The president is trying to deal with what he inherited, and the Democrats don't want to fix it. They don't want to fix it. That's why they're suffering. I'll be right back.
come from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I want to get into this Emmett Sullivan, this judge in Washington, D.C., who clearly does not understand the Constitution, subpoenas, the Emoluments Clause, and the rest. And unfortunately for the president, uh, this is the judge who's ruling on these cases. Uh, He's been around a long time, this judge. And sometimes he's right and sometimes he's wrong, but he's really wrong now. And he really shouldn't be taking on these cases because he knows, as I do, that he doesn't like this president. And his rulings are capricious. And I'll get to that in a minute. But Joe Biden, lunch bucket Joe, man of the working people, man of the unions, this has always been a, uh, a phony depiction or characterization of Joe Biden. It's self-perpetuated through his own media and marketing uh, activities over a half a century. And the Washington Compost and most of the media really don't want Joe Biden as the nominee. I very much do. But they don't because they, uh, they're looking for their next Barack Obama out there. Once the poor senator, middle-class Joe Biden, has reaped millions in income since leaving the vice presidency. The Georgian-style home from from the front, a brick version of the White House, once belonged to Alexandra Haig, the former Secretary of State. Nestled on a wooden lot in McLean, the nearly 12,000-square-foot residence has five bedrooms, ten bathrooms. Now, wait a minute. Mr. Producer, five bedrooms, ten bathrooms. How many bathrooms do you need? With all, no, 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 look, have as many as you want. I'm not saying the government should do anything. Well, you know what, with Joe, there's a lot of crapola, so maybe that's ten bathrooms. Marble fireplaces, a gym, and a sauna. Surrounded by Washington elite and sitting high above the Potomac River, there is an undeniable grandeur in the design of this home, said the British accented agent in a video released when it went on market in 2015. I just wish the Washington Post would chase down the Obamas and see what they're up to lately. I mean, are they living high or what? Post White uh, White House has been very tough on the Obamas. This property makes an imposing statement with parking for over 20 cars and creates a perfect setting for the most lavish of events. This may have already been the residence to a very important person, he continued, but I suspect we'll be home to many more. Now, let me just stop here. This is the difference between a Donald Trump and a Joe Biden. Donald Trump has gone into the presidency a multi-billionaire who's not making any money off of his office. Joe Biden went into office with nothing and now is a multi-millionaire. And yet they want all of Trump's records because he was successful before he became president. And nobody cares about Joe Biden's records. Nobody cares about the Obama's records. And which is worse, being enormously successful in the private sector and then becoming president or having nothing and then leaving the presidency or the vice presidency and now all of a sudden becoming worth a fortune like Al Gore, 150 million, the Clintons collecting a quarter of a billion. That's where 
the cronyism and the crookedness is, not Trump coming into office, these people leaving office and becoming incredibly rich, not because they're smart, most of them are stupid, not because they're experienced in anything other than talking and and raising our taxes and, and raising the debt. These are payoffs after the fact. It is currently it is currently home to Joe Biden. He and his wife Jill rented it after leaving the vice presidential quarters at the Naval Observatory in 2017. The house had been purchased for 4.25 million in June 2016 by Mark In, a wealthy venture capitalist who lives next door. Biden points out on the presidential campaign trail that he was often the poorest member of the U.S. Senate and for at least a decade has referred to himself as middle class Joe. No, no, it's no class Joe, not middle class Joe. But since leaving office, he's enjoyed an explosion of wealth, making millions of dollars largely from book deals and speaking fees for as much as $200,000 per speech, public document show. First of all, who the hell would listen to this guy? A $200,000 speech? He can't even speak in complete sentences. As Biden traveled the country before announcing his presidential campaign this spring, his sponsors provided VIP hotel suites, town cars and professional drivers, chartered flights and travel expense reimbursements that for some of his appearance reached at least $10,000 per event, according to contracts obtained by the Washington Post through public records requests. The Post found at least 65 instances in which Biden gave a speech or appearance at a book event, In at least 10 instances, he did not take a fee, although in some of those cases, he was reimbursed for travel expenses. Well, that's okay. I'm sure that the New York Times and New York Post reporters flying around, they don't pay out of their own pockets. I'm just guessing. Biden's campaign said he has given less than 50 paid speeches, but it declined to be more specific about how many he delivered or how much he earned in total. Let's say he got 150000 a speech. He gives 50 speeches. He's paid for 40 of them. Multi-millions. Now, they declined to comment on the record for this report Biden's campaign did. It appears to have taken care to avoid the backlash that haunted Hillary Clinton during the 2016 Democratic primary. She faced questions about her private speeches to Goldman Sachs and other Wall Street interests. He appears to have limited his appearance to less politically sensitive venues, public documents show. Since leaving the vice presidency, <clears throat> Biden has rented the McLean home and purchased a 2.7 million, 48,000 square foot vacation house near the water in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, to go along with his primary residence, the nearly 7,000 square foot lakeside home he built more than two decades ago in Wilmington, Delaware. Biden's accelerated income and the lifestyle of his finance has placed the former vice president in a much more rarefied world than one he formerly occupied. Although many politicians are wealthy, Biden's new circumstances run the risk of cutting against a core message of a campaign that unique among presidential candidates he can connect with and represent the middle class. All right, let, let's just stop there. Let's just stop there. That he uniquely can connect with the middle class. Ladies and gentlemen, connecting with the middle class, what does that mean? For the Washington Post, it means more government, redistribution of wealth, free college, wiping out student loans, connecting with the middle class.
Joe Biden never really connected with the middle class. This has always been a myth. What has he done exactly in half a century? Some details about Biden's new circumstances remain unknown. Biden's campaign said the former vice president was paying substantial monthly rent for the McLean home, but would not disclose additional information about the financial arrangement. Interesting, isn't it? Trump, we got to have his tax returns, his finances, his bank account. Got to have this, got to have that, got to have that. Is Nancy Pelosi demanding the same of any Democrat running for president? Is she demanding the same of Joe Biden? Biden released his tax returns in the past, but has not done so since 2016, his last year as vice president. He has vowed to release the current ones as part of his campaign. A financial disclosure required of presidential candidates would have provided the first window into the financial boost he's received since leaving the vice presidency. The deadline for that document was set for last month, but Biden filed for an extension until July 9. And it goes on. Let's see here. He asks for all kinds of stuff as a condition of giving a speech, by the way. All kinds of stuff. And I don't think it matters that much. Just that he likes raspberry sorbet, Mr. Producer. His dressing room when he gives a speech is to be stocked with bottled water, Coke Zero, regular Coca-Cola, orange Gatorade, and black coffee. It needed a full-length mirror, six straight-back chairs, and one portable steamer. Some contracts included at least $10,000 for travel, which was the agreement with the University of Utah. Uh, Other contracts, like the one with the University of Buffalo, included a stipulation for a town car and professional driver for Biden and each of his companions. Uh, Biden had initially provided a discounted rate of 100000 to the University of Utah, but he later waived the fee the university announced during his appearance. And he flew a commercial. As he traveled to the various speaking engagements, Biden had some specific requests, according to several writers to his speech content. You know, I'm going to tell you something. You want to know the truth about this? I get invitations to give speeches all the time, and I'm offered a lot of money. And I only give speeches, and I don't give a lot of them to groups I care about and for causes I care about. I don't do any corporate speeches. Early on, I did a few, and then I said, what am I doing? I stopped altogether. So I don't know the last time I've been paid for a speech. I know I'm in these different books and all, but I don't take money for speeches. Can you remember any time, Rich? Maybe once, like 10 years ago or twice. I don't remember. But I said, you know what? This bothers me. I'm not going to do it. And I could have made a mint. A lot of people in this business do that. I do require people pay for my travel. I don't want to pay out of my pocket to give a, you know, cross country and to give a speech or something of that sort. That's true. I do that. I do that. But I don't take any honorarium, they call it, any money whatsoever for giving a speech or making an appearance. But I have to say, some of the things the vice president is asking for are outrageous and some are not. I mean, he needs protection. I can see the vice president insisting on flying first class. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I can see him asking for town cars. I mean, he's not asking for a Rolls Royce or anything like that. A town car, a big car. He wants a big car so he can sit with his wife and probably an advisor or two, I guess. I'm just guessing. And the kind of drinks he likes and so forth. 
But why would you pay him 150 or 200,000 to speak? Honestly, I'd pay him that much to shut the hell up. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add, but this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve, and subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. E. Jean Carroll. E. Jean Carroll. Accuses the pre- I'm not even clear what she's accusing the president of in terms of assault. Are you, Mr. Producer? I've been trying to get to the bottom of this as much as I can. The reporting has been outrageously sloppy. Uh, when you listen to Ms. Carroll, it's not clear what took place exactly. The media are desperate to believe her and desperate to to have her speak certain words, but apparently she won't speak. So here we go again. She's not sure which year that it, whatever it is, occurred. I believe it was whether it's 95 or 96 or 97 or 98. I don't recall. They all seem to wind up on uh, Cooper's show, Anderson Cooper's show. It's an amazing thing. Stormy Daniels, Anderson Cooper. E. Jean Carroll, Anderson Cooper. The head of the New York Times uh, editorial uh, decision-making on the news page, he said, you know, we haven't covered this enough because the left is very angry that the New York Times hasn't done enough. It's another case where there's absolutely no evidence of anything. None whatsoever. No corroborating witnesses, or at least... Nobody's come forth, or at least the media haven't sought any. Nothing of that sort. I don't know anything about the lady. I don't know anything about her background. Uh, And neither do the media. But it doesn't matter. It's Trump. And so here we go again. He says he never even met the woman. I don't know anything about her. I don't know how much more you can deny something. Never met the woman, don't know anything about her. 25 years ago. I mean, Juanita Broderick had lots of specifics. She even had a friend who she confided in after uh, she was raped by Bill Clinton. And so she had a very strong case, and the media really held off. They covered it up for as long as they could. As long as they could. But they couldn't cover it up forever. 
George Stephanopoulos might remember that. Now with ABC News, of course. Hillary Clinton might remember that. Now the leader of the women's rights movement. All the Democrat women who supported Clinton, they might recall all that, but probably not. So here is E. Jean Carroll with a book coming out, I believe it's July 2nd. With a book coming out July 2nd. Now, the women in my life, if somebody had done this to them, whatever this is, and it's not yet clear to me what she's accusing the president of, uh, they wouldn't have waited for a book 25 years later. I can just tell you that. So it raises questions. None of us were there, assuming there was a there there. The media throw this in front of our face, and then we're not allowed to talk about it. Unless we agree that her allegation is accurate. But if you ask rational questions, it's said that, well, you must support this kind of behavior. We get this all the time, those of us who actually think with our heads. We get this nonsense all the time. She's presenting herself. She's going to make money on a a book uh, in which this is dropped into her book. She's on a pre-book promo tour. I'm sure a publisher's paying for that and wants her out there. Fine. Okay, she's there. So now she's a public figure and we're asking questions. But something happened last night on CNN, which really is troubling to me, which really is pretty damn outrageous. Especially from somebody who... who, uh, alleges that she was what is she alleging rich she was molested somehow but is she alleging rape because people are asking specific questions related to it. i mean i don't even want to ask the types of questions i'm hearing on the air because i have no idea if this is accurate none whatsoever neither does anybody else and that the media run with this the new york times says it hasn't covered it fully enough haven't covered what fully enough It's apparently in a book. So here it goes. Cut 14. Go. You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished, which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not this was not sexual. It just it it hurt. It just what it just, you know, I think most people think of rape as a I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I think most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. Well, I said that. Think of rape as being sexy. They think of the fantasies. Are you kidding me? Go ahead. A quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. (laughs) This has to be the weirdest 30 seconds in broadcasting history. In broadcasting history. Rape is being sexy, people think, and and they think of of fantasies and you're fascinating to talk to I mean this is really strange stuff I'll be right back do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day do you feel bloated tired and out of shape eating healthy is a habit but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating right how much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it this is why I drink field of greens every morning before I start my day Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. 
Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Hate him or really, really hate him. The Great One is on the air at 877-381-3811. In just a minute or two, I really hope you stick with me. I'm going to read something to you that kind of underscores everything I've been saying. Remember this E. Jean Carroll, CNN. Been on CNN, been all over TV. New York Times says it needs to cover her more thoroughly, that it didn't do a good enough job, Okay. An allegation 25 years ago. We're not sure. She's not sure what year it is. She's not sure exactly what took place. The president says, I don't even know who this woman is. I'm unaware of any corroborating witnesses at the time, whether she told anybody. And then she cracks that weird statement about rape. Almost, almost giddy in her, in her, in her appearance in front of Anderson Cooper, and rather than really dig in as a reporter, he immediately goes to a commercial. Truly, one of the weirdest things I've ever heard on television or seen. Truly. But stick with me. I want to read something to you in a moment. 2020 will be the most important election in our lifetimes. Big issues are on the ballot. The border, the Second Amendment, late-term abortion, freedom of speech and conscience. Most expensive of them all, health care. Because the liberals are pushing for a plan they call Medicare for All. Now, we know that's fraudulent because they want to take a program seniors have paid into all their lives and open it to all comers, even the children of illegals. It should be called Medicare for None because seniors will be forced to get in line with people who've paid nothing into the program. It's wrong. It's unfair. And it'll destroy the world's greatest engine of healthcare innovation. Where's the AARP in all this? Why aren't they lobbying hard to stop their rating of the, the rating of your Medicare? Well, we know why. They're in the tank. It's the same AARP that backed Obamacare. Now, that's why I'm urging all of you to join AMAC now, because unlike the AARP, AMAC will fight hard against this, this so-called Medicare for all, which is Medicare for none. Become a member of AMAC.us like I am. It's AMAC.us. The stakes have never been higher. Be with an organization that will back you. They have tremendous discounts, tremendous benefits. AMAC.us, that's A-M-A-C.us. Join today. Check them out. Check out their website. I mean, they have, they have great, as I say, discounts and benefits, but also they're in your corner. This is what I wanted to tell you, folks. You just heard the coverage. Let's play it again very quickly. Let's turn to uh, to the cut of, uh, what is her name, Mr. Producer? E. Jean Carroll on Anderson Cooper's show. Go ahead. You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished. Which, the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not, this was not sexual. 
for it just it it hurt it just what it just you know well, I think most people think of rape as a I mean it is a violent assault it is not I think sexual. most people think of rape as being sexy mm. let's take a short break think of the fantasies mm. We're going to take a quick break. If you can stick around. We'll yeah, talk yeah, more. yeah. I got you, Mumbles. We got you. You know, uh, when I decided in unfreedom of uh, the press to dig into stuff like this, and this chapter took me a long time, an enormous amount of research, quite frankly. On this chapter called Collusion, Abuse of Power and Character, uh, one editor advised me to remove it. What does it have to do with the press? I said, it has everything to do with the press. Well, it's awfully tawdry. I said, it's not my fault. And again, those of you who have the book on freedom of the press, you're informed about this. And this is very important. So when you listen to something like this, the current news, you have a context that other people do not. And here's what I say on p- page 211 for the rest of you. <clears throat> Whatever President Trump may or may not have done in his personal life before becoming president, which has been of intense interest to the Democratic Party press, there has not been any credible glimmer of moral improbity or faithlessness during his service in the Oval Office. And I question the accuracy of this allegation, too, by the way. Absolutely do. But not so with several of his more recent predecessors, John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson, tops among them, which was ignored by the mass media. So you see the media very, very desirous of promoting this lady's book and her allegation. Very, very desirous of it. Doesn't have any of the independent factual information. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. President Kennedy had scores of extramarital flings and affairs, both before and while he was president, with actresses, secretaries, married women, friends, a mobster's girlfriend, etc. Perhaps two of the most concerning such instances involved an alleged East German spy and a 19-year-old intern. Media won't talk about this. Professor Larry Sabato, you've seen him on TV. He wrote, in July 1963, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover informed Bobby Kennedy that he knew about the president's past relationship with an alleged East German spy named Ellen Romich. The wife of an army officer who had been assigned to the West German embassy, Romich supplemented her income by turning tricks for Washington's best and brightest. Can you imagine? Her pimp was a high-profile Senate aide named Bobby Baker. With close ties to Lyndon Johnson. In late August 1963, Romtisch was flown back to Germany on a U.S. Air Force transport plane at the behest of the State Department. According to author Seymour Hirsch, she was accompanied by Laverne Duffy, one of Bobby Kennedy's colleagues from his days on the McClellan Committee. Records related to Romtisch's deportation have either vanished or were never created in the first place. Then there was Kennedy's seduction of a young intern who had just arrived at the White House. Sabato wrote that the well-supported story of Mimi Alford, a 19-year-old White House intern at the time of her involvement with Kennedy, is impossible to overlook. Initiated into JFK's sexual world just four days into her internship, 
Alfred lost her virginity to Kennedy as he conducted what can only be called a deeply inappropriate affair with a young charge. It even included a Kennedy-directed episode. I, I can't even read this sentence. Can write it, but can't read it. This behavior, barely hidden from others within the White House and involving government resources to shuttle Alfred, the 19-year-old intern, to and from the traveling president, has caused some to question Kennedy's basic fitness for the highest office. Many have tried to reconcile his high-minded, skilled public persona with his sleazy, reckless private self. It is simply impossible to match up the two sides rationally, writes Sabato, and it is certainly inadequate to say that the rules of his time or sometimes empty marriage permitted or justified these escapades. Any private citizen with modest responsibilities would be condemned for them. And as President JFK risked his White House tenure, the welfare of his party, his policy goals, and everyone he supposedly held dear. And nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, even after all these decades, all these decades, it's not talked about. Instead, we've never seen anybody like Donald Trump before, ever. Lyndon Johnson, I write, was no better. Dalek, another author, writes that although Johnson had a referential regard for the presidency, he didn't see his personal crudeness as demeaning the office. As throughout his Senate and vice presidential years, he remained an exhibitionist and a philander who didn't mind flaunting his conquests. When a woman reporter at a private session with several journalists asked him a tough question, he reached down and pulled his crotch and said, well, I don't know. And he was scratching himself. It was terrible. During his vice presidency, the press called his Senate office the nookie room. He wanted beautiful women working for him and viewed them as fair game. Lady Bird shut her eyes and ears to some of this behavior. What she didn't know or acknowledge preserved her from painful offenses. Just some of what's in Unfreedom of the Press as I corral the scholarship in the era of Trump. And so now we have E. Jean Carroll, who has a book coming out based on something she alleges 25 or 26 years ago. She's not sure what year it took place. Not exactly 100% sure what took place. I'm still waiting for a corroborating witness or somebody she spoke to after the fact, contemporaneously, perhaps. Any notes she may have taken, anything. There's nothing. And the New York Times says, well, we haven't covered this as aggressively or as appropriately as we should have. The same New York Times, ladies and gentlemen, who hid most of Kennedy's affairs and Johnson's affairs, the same New York Times that was a mouthpiece for Joseph Stalin, a mouthpiece for Joseph Scott, uh, Stalin through Durante. Through Durante, that I write about and explain in the book, too. I think the reason this book, Unfreedom of the Press, is so powerful with my audience is because you can link it to all these everyday current events and other events that are taking place now. And you can unravel what's taking place. You can see what the media have done and are doing whether it's climate change, whether it's Russia collusion, whether it's abuse of power, whether it's character, whether it's propaganda as news, whether it's pseudo-events as news, whether it's the bias, 
the social activism, the progressivism, the the attachment to the Democrat Party. It's all undressed in this book. All of it. All of it. And yet the media pretend it doesn't exist. Tell me something. And I'm not pushing this. I don't want to do it. Just tell me something. Why do you think uh, this accuser is all over the media? The New York Times thinks it should cover it more. And yet I have a number one New York Times bestseller that is selling more books than any other nonfiction book. Now that won't go on forever. It just doesn't. And they pretend it doesn't exist. The coverage itself, what they celebrate, what they denounce, what they omit or censor or ignore, tells you all you need to know. It tells you all you need to know. I am challenging today, behind this microphone, the top editors of the New York Times to read chapter 6 of my book and explain themselves. And explain themselves. Don't tell me you've already explained yourself about the Holocaust. I address that nonsense. And you barely address what you did with Stalin and the genocide against the Ukrainians. I dare all the media reporters, put me aside, the media reporters, to go to chapter 6 of my book and report on it. I dare them. I don't care the cable channel, the cable show, the network, whatever it is. I dare them to call out the New York Times and demand some answers. Or at least demand a response. They're not going to do it. I call on Chuck Todd and Jake Tapper to do exactly that. Have some self-respect. Some professional accountability in your business. Some standards. But they won't do it. And it wasn't written for them. Because I don't believe they're capable of reform and I don't believe they're capable of circumspection, quite frankly. It's like this guy Carl Cameron. Another member of the modern mass media thinks what you want to do is jump in with both feet on Trump's throat. That's what they view as journalism. That's not journalism. It's not journalism today, it wasn't journalism yesterday, and it won't be journalism tomorrow. And then they wonder why their ratings stink. They wonder why they can't sell subscriptions to their newspapers and magazines. It's not just the change in technology, that's a piece of it. It's the content. It's the content. If people believed in what you were doing, if they believed in the accuracy, at least if they believe in your attempt at accuracy and objectivity... You'd have a bigger audience. You'd have a bigger subscription base. You wouldn't be rightly accused of being what you are. But you won't, and you don't. So now I've put this allegation in some perspective, haven't I? Anderson Cooper is incapable of it. He's an ideologue. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet 
which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. If you believe that you're not being snooped on, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you're wrong. You are being snooped on. It's just a matter about how many people are snooping. Hackers, governments, ad companies all slurp up your data. That's why I strongly recommend getting the software I trust and protect with my online activity. That's ExpressVPN. Now, their apps use powerful encryption to secure your data. ExpressVPN runs in the background of your computer or phone. And then you use the internet just like you normally would. You download the app, click to connect, and you're protected. I never go online without ExpressVPN, and you shouldn't either. It's the best. ExpressVPN is the fastest VPN. It costs less than 7 bucks a month and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's pretty darn outstanding. Take back your online privacy like I did with ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today. And find out how you can get three months free from an expressvpn.com slash mark. Go to expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn.com slash mark. Three months free with a one-year package. Expressvpn.com slash mark. Learn more. And I must strongly encourage you to protect yourselves. Because once they crack into your data, it's a nightmare. It's really impossible to reverse course. It is an absolute nightmare. Well, what did you think of what I read to you? What did you think of what I read to you? They're trying to turn this president out of office. And so they'll go back 25 years, regardless of who's making an allegation, credible, incredible. It doesn't matter. This is just the latest. We've had a cycle of these over the two plus years that he's been president of the United States. We've had a cycle of these. We've had a cycle of the he's mentally ill. We've had a cycle of uh, it, of, of cover-ups. It, just, it goes on and on and on. It's incredible. And we know almost nothing about the vast majority of candidates who are going to be debating uh, the next couple of days on NBC. We know almost nothing about them. Seriously. What do we know about Cory Booker's background? What do we know about Cory Booker's background? What do we really know about Kamala Harris's background? Or Eric Swalwell? Or the vast majority of those who will be on two stages over the course of the next two days? What do we really know about these people? It's when Obama was running. What did we really know about Obama? It took really pushing hard to get to the bottom of it. And the guy that pushed the hardest, to be perfectly honest with you, was Hannity. 
on Jim Wright and all those connections and so forth. The media didn't want to tell us about them. And how come we're only learning now about all this Joe Biden stuff? Joe Biden's been running for office uh, since he was uh, four months old. I mean, he's, he ran for the Senate over and over and over again. He got elected over and over and over again. And he was challenged by, you know, by, by Republicans from time to time. How come the media didn't tell us all this stuff about Joe Biden? I mean, we always mocked him about some of the obvious stuff. But how come they're really digging into Joe Biden now? Isn't that interesting? Because he's, they don't think he can win. He's too damn stupid and he looks exhausted. But that's beside the point. They could have dug into his background when he was nominated for vice president of the United States, but they wanted Obama to win. That's why it's that simple. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Well, I stand corrected, ladies and gentlemen. We heard... Uh, I just can't remember her name. E. Jean Carroll, I think her name is. E. Jean Carroll with her allegation that some people fantasize about rape. Sexy. Now that's pretty sick, to be honest with you. But she's certainly right about one person. The Bernie Sanders rape fantasy essay explained May 29, 2015 NPR National Pubic Radio, Danielle Kurtzelbin. Congratulations. Mother Jones dug up a 1972 essay that Bernie Sanders wrote for the Vermont Freeman, and I'm sure this will be all over the debate stage, an alternative newspaper. The article called Man and Woman is a Commentary on Gender Roles. It's also caused a stir, as is bound to happen any time a candidate mentions rape, if you haven't been following the hubbub, read on for a rundown of what the controversy is all about. So what did Bernie Sanders write, and what did he say about rape? The essay by the Vermont, Vermont senator, who officially kicked off his presidential campaign this week, guy's always running for president, isn't long, only a page. Warning, the bit about rape comes at the very beginning, as does some not totally safe-for-work language. Quote, this is uh, your man Bernie, what he wrote. A man goes home and blanks his typical fantasy. A man goes home and blanks his typical fantasy. Begins with an M, but I'm not going to get into it. Uh, A woman on her knees, a woman tied up, a woman abused. This is Sanders. A woman enjoys blank with her man as she fantasized being blanked, raped, by three men simultaneously. The man and woman get dressed up on Sunday and go to church or maybe to their revolutionary political meeting. Have you ever looked at the stag, man, hero, tough magazines on the shelf of your local bookstore? Do you know why the newspaper with the articles like Girl 12, raped by 14 men, sells so well? To what in us are they appealing? Now this is what Sanders wrote. 
Sanders then goes on to explain his ideas about gender roles and eventually gets at a sharper point, that traditional gender roles help create troubling dynamics in the men's and women's sex lives. Many women seem to be walking a tightrope, he writes, as their qualities of love, openness, and gentleness were too deeply enmeshed with qualities of dependency, subservience, and machoism. He adds that men likewise are confused. What is it they want from a woman? Are they at fault? Are they perpetrating this man-woman situation? Are they oppressors? Boy, this is sick stuff, really. I don't even know. One way to read the essay is that Sanders was doing, in a supremely ham-handed way, what journalists do every day, draw the reader in with an attention-getting lead, then get to the meat of the article in the middle, though he only sticks to his larger point for three paragraphs before getting back to his fictional couple, ending the essay with an imagined conversation. Here's what he wrote. And, I, and she said, you wanted me not as a woman or as a lover or as a friend, but as a submissive woman or a submissive friend or a submissive lover. And he said, you're full of blank. And they never again made love together, which they had liked to do more than anything, or never saw each other one more time. Now, that's kind of sick, isn't it? Well, no, you don't understand. This is fiction. Very deep. Very Freudian. He's he's so far and above everybody else. Yeah, free college. Yeah. Cancel all the loans. No, he's nice. Sounds like a thug. He sounds like a, a communist mobster. Hey, get the rich. I'm here for the workers. I'm the workers. I'm the. I represent the workers. No, you don't. You creep. You don't represent anybody. He writes a fantasy about rape. That's what he did. Anderson Cooper. I'm sure that's high on your list. All right, let's get off this. Makes me sick just thinking about it. Let's go to Iran. Well, there's another one. Iran is in a full propaganda mode against the President of the United States, but they're also in a full propaganda mode against John Bolton. And there's an awful lot of relatively intelligent people who are, unfortunately, regurgitating that propaganda. Iran does not want John Bolton anywhere near the President of the United States. Just like the left. And just like the Code Pink Republicans. And so they trash Bolton. See, he's the power behind the throne. That's what Iran wants you to believe. That's what the fools in Washington want you to believe. There's no power behind the throne. The president's the president. He's his own man. Haven't we learned that by now? So now the, uh, the misfit, the Islamo-Nazi president of Iran... Did he not call the president retarded today, Mr. Producer? We can't really play the audio because we don't know Farsi. Calls the president retarded today. First of all, you can't even use that word. Doesn't he know that? You can't use that word. But apparently among the Islamo-Nazi mullahs who are enriching themselves off the backs of the people there in the name of religion... It's perfectly fine. I mean, after all, they slaughter gays. They slaughter anybody who uh, challenges them. They slaughter anybody who believes differently than them. No big deal. No big deal. And you know what? 
in doing that, they made their biggest mistake yet. Do you understand what I mean, Rich? They just pissed off Donald Trump. They just pissed him off. May I use that word? I think I will. Bernie Sanders can use other words. I can use that word. They personally attacked the President of the United States. That is a big mistake. I'm being quite serious about this. He gave them a pass. The code pink Republicans, the hate America leftists, the hate America media, they gave the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran a pass. They keep blooding our nose. They keep and have been killing our soldiers, killing our Marines, blowing up stuff, destroying countries. They want ICBMs. They want nuclear warheads on the ICBMs. But now, I think they made a big mistake. Now, you keep hearing, ladies and gentlemen, about the great Iran deal. Now, here, do you, who is basically telling you about the great Iran deal? Of course, the Rand Paul types chip off the old block. Ron Paul. Who, of course, we all look to when it comes to national security. Well, you know, America... All right, uh, uh, sit down. Settle down. But the Iran deal, ladies and gentlemen. Remember the Iran deal? How magnificent it was? And, you know, it had Iran in a box. That's what they tell us. Iran was adhering to it. There wasn't a problem. I read this at the American Conservative. Weird name for that, for that magazine, that website. No, 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 no. The foreign minister in Iran promised us that they're following the rules, ladies and gentlemen. It's the, the war hawks in Washington, led by John Bolton. They're the problem. Not the Islamo-Nazi mullahs. No, no, no. It's John Bolton. He's the problem. And if the president strikes back at Iran in some you know, tactical way, then it's on him. And then it's Bolton and Trump. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, the Trump supporters that you're hearing are going to dump on him. They were ready to dump on him. They were all poised. They were, they were getting ready. They were warning him, you, you strike Iran, boy, we're, we're going we're gonna to come after you. Well, this Iran deal was phony from day one. It protected nobody. It gave enormous sums of money to the enemy, which the enemy has used to advance its nuclear technological activity and to fund its conventional terrorist activity. This Iran deal was a fraud from day one, but you wouldn't have known it reading a newspaper. More on this when I return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's take a look at this wonderful Iran deal that the Democrats are now running on. They say they would reestablish it. Let's remind ourselves how this was covered. I'm telling you, I'm picking up on freedom of the press. Issue after issue after issue is addressed and uniquely addressed. This should be your handbook for the upcoming election, in my humble opinion. 
I point out on 121, a modern illustration of the new propaganda in action was the selling of the Obama administration's Iran nuclear deal. On May 5, 2016, we remember here, in a long profile piece in the New York Times Sunday magazine, President Barack Obama's Deputy National Security Advisor, Ben Rhodes, bragged about his ability and success in deceiving the American people with a complicit press. The article was titled, quote, The aspiring novelist who became Obama's foreign policy guru, how Ben Rhodes rewrote the rules of diplomacy for the digital age, unquote, and was written by David Samuels, who was seemingly both amused by and approving of Rhodes's propaganda techniques. Samuels wrote in part that Rhodes's innovative campaign to sell the Iran deal is likely to be a model for how future administrations explain foreign policy to Congress and the public. The way in which most Americans have heard the story of the Iran deal presented, that the Obama listen carefully, very important, that the Obama administration began seriously engaging with Iranian officials in 2013 in order to take advantage of a new political reality in Iran, which came about because of elections that brought moderates to power in that country, was largely manufactured for the purpose of selling the deal. Manufactured by the Obama administration and his surrogates and the media. A main argument for negotiating with the Iran regime was actively misleading and regurgitated, <coughs> excuse me, and regurgitated by journalists who wanted to support Obama's policy. As New York Times reporter Samuel said, in the narrative that Rhodes shaped, the story of the Iran deal began in 2013 when a so-called moderate faction inside the Iranian regime led by Hassan Rouhani beat regime hardliners in an election and then began to pursue a policy of openness, which included a newfound willingness to negotiate the dismantling of its illicit nuclear weapons program. The President Obama set out the timeline himself in his speech announcing the nuclear deal on July 14, 2015. Today, after two years of negotiations, he said the United States, together with our international partners, has achieved something that decades of animosity has not. And while the president's statement was technically accurate, there had in fact been two years of formal negotiations leading up to the signing of the JCPOA, that's the Iran deal. It was also actively misleading because the most meaningful part of the negotiations with Iran had begun in mid-2012, many months before the so-called moderate Rouhani and the moderate camp were chosen in an election among candidates handpicked by the Iran's supreme leader, the Ayatollah Ali Khamenei Yabadaba. The idea that there was a new reality in Iran was politically useful to the Obama administration, unquote. But it was a flat-out lie. A flat-out lie. Indeed, New York Times reporter Samuel seemed to find virtue in the Obama administration's successful propaganda campaign. Quote, he wrote, by obtaining broad public currency for the thought that there was a significant split in the regime and that the administration was reaching out to the moderate-minded Iranians who wanted peaceful relations with their neighbors and with America. Obama was able to evade what might have otherwise been a divisive but clarifying debate 
over the actual policy choices that his administration was making, unquote. The whole thing is a sham. And as I point out, then came the conga line of experts whose appearances were orchestrated and statements were scripted by Deputy National Security Advisor Rhodes, who bragged about the ruse. Quote, we created an echo chamber, Rhodes admitted, when I asked him to explain the onslaught of freshly minted experts cheerleading for the deal. They were saying things that validated what we had given them to say, said Rhodes. So Rhodes would plant the administration's talking points with journalists, some of whom would repeat them verbatim. Quote, in this environment, wrote reporter Samuels, Rhodes has become adept at ventriloquizing many people at once. Ned Price, Rhodes' assistant, gave me a primer on how it's done. Listen to this. The easiest way for the White House to shape the news, he explained, is from the briefing podiums, each of which has its own dedicated press corps. But then there are sort of these force multipliers, he said, adding, we have our compadres. I will reach out to a couple people, and you know, I wouldn't want to name them, media compadres, also known as journalists, who are ideological soulmates and willing to report the administration's message as news. Samuels and Price are insiders who know how the propaganda game is played. Samuels replied to Price, I can name the reporters, I said, ticking off a few names of prominent Washington reporters and columnists who often tweet in sync with White House messaging. Price laughed. I'll say, hey, look, some people are spinning this narrative that this is a sign of American weakness, he continued. But, but what? Samuels entertained by it all He interrupted. In fact, it's a sign of strength, I said, chuckling. Price continued, I'll give them some color, and the next thing I know, lots of these guys, meaning reporters, are in the dot-com publishing space and have huge Twitter followings, and they'll be putting this message out on their own. That was the Iran deal that the Democrats are running on again. It was a fraud. It was a scam. It was a lie from day one. Unfreedom of the press. We point it out. We remind you. We underscore it. We. Who the hell's we? I do. In the book. And that's why I say this book is a very, very important, powerful force in the lead up to this election. Because the president's not running just against the Democrats. He's running against the media. The media and the Democrats. And you'll see during these two so-called debates, the moderators, well, some of them anyway, with some of their questions, will try and will try and show you that they're real journalists. Don't be fooled. You know who they are, you know what they are, and you know what they're up to. They have a few favorites on the stage. They're not going to reveal them to you, but you'll be able to figure it out if you're reading Unfreedom of the Press and you're watching these debates. I'll be right back. If you're trying to reach Mark on the air, call him at 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Radio Show continues. Do you uh, wish that double chin would just disappear? Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen, people look at your jawline. It simply tells your age. 
And here's Robin from Lubbock, Texas. I put Genesel Jawline Cream on my neck two or three days ago. This is the best my neck has looked in 20 years. People told me my face looks young, and I am blown away. Now, using MDL technology in Chamonix's proprietary base, Genesel's brand-new jawline treatment specifically targets the delicate skin around the neck and jaw for tight, healthy, younger-looking skin. See results right before your eyes, or 100% of your money back, no questions asked. Call now, and the classic Genesel for bags and puffiness is free with your order. And to start seeing results in 12 hours or less, Genesel Immediate Effects is all yours, free. No double chin, no turkey neck, no sagging jawline, because no one needs to know your age. 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. Get your two free gifts and free express shipping. Call 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com or 800-SKIN-604, the national debt. You know, I wrote an entire book on this issue and the tributaries that lead to it and from it called Plunder and Deceit. I wrote it in 2015, so it's, it's more than four years old. And I tried to draw as much attention to this as I possibly could. Student loan debt, entitlement specifically, I addressed the overall national debt. And uh, I really wrote the book for younger people so they could understand that this is the grave threat that faces them, their generation and generations yet born. And it's only gotten worse with all the Democrat proposals. So what I've decided to do for Life, Liberty, and Levin, and I actually decided this earlier uh, today, is we're going to have a special guest, Forrest Lucas. Ever hear of Lucas Oil, Mr. Producer? Well, that Forrest Lucas, who started from absolutely nothing, who never went to college, and uh, created a, a trucking company and then later an oil company, particularly with this special additive that he made, which assists in, uh, in, in the uh, use of oil. So you actually need less gasoline and oil as you use uh, your vehicles as a result of what he, he came up with. But it's more than that. It's a show about capitalism versus socialism. Liberty versus tyranny. And I do something that I've never done on a program on life, liberty, and live in. I open the show with my own monologue. See, I I don't want to use this prototype because virtually every show on Fox does that. But I needed to do it this time. And so you'll hear a monologue at the beginning of the program that lasts about 12 minutes, give or take. And then we're going to have an interview with this, this wonderful entrepreneur who started from nothing. So there's real flesh and blood that people can see, a real person who was poor and is now wealthy. Not because of socialism, but because of capitalism. Not because of government, but because of individual initiative. And we've got to explain this more, and we've got to use actual examples more to get through to as many people as we possibly can. So I think you're going to truly enjoy, if not be fascinated with, Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Time. I really think you're going to like it, so you're going to need to mark that down. I won't be here Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday to remind you. I believe our 
our wonderful guest hosts will. And I won't be here to remind you about getting your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. If you have a copy, getting one for a relative or a friend or classmate or coworker or whomever. It's a very, very important uh, summertime read as we gear up now for the battle ahead. This is a crucial battle. And this time, rather than only engaging the radical Democrats, we must engage their mouthpieces in the media. That's the purpose of unfreedom of the press. So those of you who've been in the Tea Party movement, who are in the Convention of States movement, the Reagan Revolution, or you're just concerned about what's taking place in your country and all the lies and propaganda and phony stuff you're seeing and hearing, this is for you. Have I taken any calls today, Mr. Producer? I don't believe I have. Shame on me. Well, I don't have my call screen up. Who do you recommend, sir? WABC, Gerald in New Jersey. Go. Mark, I got your new book, and I'm about to, and I also bought the audio, and I'm going to go through both of them. And I think the Iranian situation is an absolute disgrace, what, what basically both... Carter did, and then followed by the other guy, um, Obama, Obama did. They're the ones that created this whole darn mess, and basically Trump is doing his best to clean it up. And it's not an easy chore when you look at, for all these years, so much has been neglected in the Middle East, on the uh, immigration and everything else. I mean, it's it's an absolute it's an absolute disaster. But Trump will straighten it out. But but you but you're correct. I mean. Not not only did Obama appease Iran, he funded Iran. Well, that, I mean, Neville Chamberlain didn't even do that with Germany. He not only appeased Iran, he opened up the floodgates of cash to Iran. I mean, we've never seen anything like this in history. I agree and, with and, you. and Trump is trying to deal with it. Same with North Korea. He didn't bend his finger to try and address North Korea. The Chinese were building these fake islands of the South China Sea. Obama did nothing about that. You know, this is all on Biden. This is why I'd love to see Biden as their nominee. President can hold back on these substantive issues. They nominate the dummy and then unload. And you're also looking over one you're overlooking one other issue. Biden got two billion dollars from the red Chinese. No, Biden did not. His well, son got got one point five. And we're going to dig into that very, very deeply. Uh, in the future, because you're right, that needs to be exposed for what it is. What do you call it? $10 million from the Ukraine, whatever it was. Yeah, I agree. Let me ask you something. How come they're not on the Capitol Hill demanding Hunter Biden's tax returns? How come they're not demanding his bank records? And by the way, I need to get to this. I need to get to this. Thank you for your call, Gerald. I need to get to this Judge Emmett Sullivan, who who really is a, a mess. As far as I'm concerned, if I can find it in time, here it is. It's unfortunately a short Bloomberg report, but I'll do the best I can. Democrats get go-ahead to pro president's finances and lawsuit. Now, keep in mind, this judge is a federal district judge. Nothing more, nothing less. Here's how they write it. Donald Trump lost a bid to halt a lawsuit brought by 201 congressional Democrats who want a Washington federal court to require that the president seek approval from lawmakers before he accepts any financial benefits from foreign governments. This must be the idiotic emoluments clause lawsuit. In a pair of orders issued by the same judge today, U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan denied Trump's request to halt the lawsuit 
so he could immediately appeal Sullivan's earlier refusals to dismiss the case. The decision means the 2017 lawsuit led by U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut can proceed. Do you know what that means? The judge denied Trump's request to halt the lawsuit so he could appeal the matter to the circuit court. This judge said, no, it's here. Go ahead and do your discovery and get the information you want. Pretty damn outrageous. He should have put the brakes on it and let the president go to the appellate level and eventually to the Supreme Court. But this judge, King Emmett Sullivan, decided otherwise. This is why I support term limits for judges. In a separate order, the same judge said lawmakers can begin collecting evidence to support their claims on June 28. In other words, they can start collecting information on the president's businesses and his finances. And he effectively has blocked his appeal. Now, the legislators assert Trump's receipt of benefits through his far-flung business holdings. Now, this is what I meant earlier in the program. You look at the far-flung business activities of the Obamas and Bidens and Gores and Clintons, the hundreds of millions of dollars they've accumulated in the aggregate after they left office. But Trump, we got to look at because he's, he's made a fortune before he came into office. These phony judges. The legislators, meaning Democrats, assert Trump's receipt of benefits through his far-flung business holdings, including his luxury hotel just blocks from the White House. It's the Trump Hotel. There's no secret. Violates a U.S. constitutional provision barring American presidents from accepting so-called emoluments from foreign governments without the prior permission of Congress. The president is not receiving emoluments from foreign governments. Shame on you, Judge Emmett Sullivan. Shame on you for letting these clowns turn your courtroom into Barnum and Bailey Circus. Shame on you. You know what the hell the Emoluments Clause says. It's almost never used, but he knows what it says. The president's not taking a title from any foreign government. The president's not getting remuneration from any foreign government. He's got a business. Not only that, it's inconsequential. That is, the people who are staying there from foreign governments. You saw my show on Life, Liberty, and Levin last week. There I was with the former judge. And what did he say, McConnell? Professor McConnell. He said, it's a ridiculous argument. What does that mean? A president has a mutual fund or an IRA and it's invested in some foreign enterprise? Or some state-run company somewhere else and he makes some money from it? That he's violating the emoluments clause? In other words, it's so distant from what the framers had in mind with the emoluments clause. And this Judge Emmett Sullivan, who's no genius, that's for sure. And he's no expert on the Constitution, let alone the emoluments clause. Makes this pathetic political ruling because he doesn't like Trump. Two of them on the same day. On the same day. Disgrace. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Whatever you're doing to celebrate America's birthday, make sure you stop by BowlingBranch.com. Bowling Branch makes the sheets loved by three U.S. presidents, and they're celebrating the 4th of July, get this, with 20% off everything during their Stars and Stripes sale. Bowling Branch organic sheets start out super soft and get softer and softer and softer over time. These are $1,000 sheets for just a couple hundred bucks. Everything Bowling Branch makes is beautifully and thoughtfully designed and super comfy. 97% of customers surveyed said they sleep better on Boland Branch. Go to BolandBranch.com, that's B-O-L-L and Branch.com, and see for yourself, because everything is 20% off during their Stars and Stripes sale. From their sheets to their plush towels, pillows, pillowcases, even their world-class mattress. Shipping is always free. And right now, you'll get 20% off everything but only during the Bowl and Branch Stars and Stripes sale. Spell B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Save 20% today, plus free shipping at BowlandBranch.com. Please check it out, BowlandBranch.com, and get the deal. The nation's federal debt is now projected to balloon to unprecedented levels over the next 30 years if policymakers fail to change laws, potentially pushing the country into the risk of a fiscal crisis, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office said in a new report. Federal debt is expected to rise from 78% of gross domestic product in 2019 to 92% in 2029 and 144% in 2049, the most ever in American history. You know, we have to be the most selfish generation in American history. What we are doing to our kids and our grandkids and generations yet born is a disgrace. It's unconscionable. We're living off the work of babies yet born. We are stealing their future. There is no way they can pay off this debt. Notice we don't pay it off. The left in this country in particular is the most selfish, narcissistic generation in American history. Not only will they not address current entitlements, current spending, which has brought us to this point, they're demanding far more spending. In excess of trillions and trillions of dollars. And they want you to believe all we need is higher taxes and I'll fix it. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not enough real money on the planet Earth to deal with the debt that is rising currently and the increase in debt being proposed by virtually every Democrat, not virtually, every Democrat running for president who you will hear. They will come up with this proposal, that proposal, this tax plan, that tax plan. It's all phony. We have the worst politicians, the worst, the most gutless the least statesmanlike politicians, and I don't know. Maybe it's American history as well. They lie, and they lie relentlessly. Now, this is a one-day story for the media on the debt because the Congressional Budget Office issued a paper on it. It ought to be an everyday story. Every single time there's a new proposal for spending, it ought to be confronted. Every single time. Every single time. They raise the debt ceiling. It ought to be confronted rather than beating us down into the ground 
to keep quiet while they continue to do what they always do. And this happens under Democrats and Republicans. How long have the Republicans controlled the entire Congress in recent decades? Long enough to try and address this. Or maybe it's just our generation. Really, two generations ago, they did storm the beaches of France. They did fight the Battle of the Bulge. They did fight Iwo Jima and Guam and Guadalcanal, and you can go on down the list. Before that, it was World War I. Before that, it was the Civil War. Before that, many wars, but the Revolutionary War. Since World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, again, many others. And yet, what are the people here in this country? Do they not care for their children and their grandchildren? As I pointed out in Plunder and Deceit, do you not love your children and grandchildren? Would you not do anything for them? Would you not take a bullet for them? And yet, look what you're doing to their, to their generation. You're destroying them. This is why I have nothing but contempt for these Democrats running for president and people like Mitt Romney and others who undermine really efforts by conservatives to address these issues. They talk about more spending and then they lie about how they're going to pay for it. Well, you'll just pay more tight. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not enough wealth in this country. Give or take our, our gross domestic products, $18 trillion. Our fiscal operating debt today is $22 trillion. Our, our uh, unfunded liabilities for promised entitlements are over $250 trillion. What are you going to raise taxes on? All right, remember now, I'll be leaving the country, be heading to Israel. I'll be leaving tomorrow. Uh, I will be back on July 7th, back behind this microphone here, the home base on the 8th. But I am going to broadcast from there for two days, so I hope you'll listen. I want to thank all of you very much, my blessed audience. I hope you'll get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. I won't be here to remind you. And be well. Be well. And God bless you. And thank you for everything. See you soon. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.